somebody, please call a doctor. Your call is important to us. Please hold for the next Come available on. representative. Are you with me, Dr. Drew? And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. It's Dr. Drew. Midday Live with Lauren Savant. It is Midday Live, and I am Dr. Drew, and she is Lauren Savannah. We are taking your calls at 800-222-5222. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to speak to David Katz, a former federal prosecutor. Regarding the breaking news, Attorney General Jeff Sessions has been asked to submit his resignation. This is reported by Fox News as such. Right now, we're going to go out to contributor to Washington Examiner in front of the show, Ryan Gurdusky. Ryan, welcome. Good. Hi. How are you? So Hi. he resigned. He was he was well, asked to resign. According, he he was in the letter to the president. He says, "As you have requested, I am <laughs> submitting my resignation." Well, yeah, <laughs> he was fired, but he was yes. And now we have his chief of staff is now. But he is a gentleman, so he followed directions Bo and wrote Jeff up a Bo letter of God. resignation. <laughs> Now can he can I no longer you, recuse himself. Can I tell you the um, a backstory that I heard? I don't. I can't one hundred percent confirm this, but this is what I heard. We love that. About a year ago, Sessions was Sessions thought he was going to be fired. So what he did, and this was absolutely genius, he held he brought press people with him to cover his like on a day a day in Jeff Sessions' life or something like that. So they would be with him throughout the entire like twenty four or forty eight hours. That he was working, and if he was fired, it would have all been caught like live on camera, mm. and he wasn't fired. Um, so I think that, but his time was running out. I love Jeff Sessions. I think he was a brilliant AG. I yep. agree. I, I agree. I totally agree. And he agree. served this president well. I mean, can you think of anyone else who was that in lockstep with Trump's policies? But, but navigated. You know, Nikki it. Haley betrayed Trump day in and day out. Yeah. Conservative Inc. loved her. Um, they crucified Sessions, and he was the most loyal. He was so good. We will never have another. And he was gentle. He was a gentleman, and it's very unfortunate how this all how he was out. treated. The, yeah, the acting chief of staff is supposed to be very, very good, but uh, you know, Sessions is fantastic. Okay, so let me run this by you. We're talking to Ryan Gudersky, contributing uh, contributor rather for the Washington Examiner. Um, I say because Chris Kobach lost his Senate race that he gets anointed the a, the attorney general well from your lips i would love that i love chris kobach um i don't know maybe I mean, we have 54 senators now so and also a lot of the people who don't like chris kobach are now out of the senate mm -hmm. flakes out of the senate um corkers out of the senate but also there may be a chance that this guy who's the chief of staff may just take the job and may lead it if he does a very good job i mean he could prove himself gee whittaker's um, Eight. Yeah, Whitakers. Yeah, yeah. Whitaker. I, I mean, we yeah, just Whitaker, the name Whitaker. is hilarious. G. Willikers. I mean, G. <laughs> yeah. Whitakers. G. Whitakers. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, but he I, in one of his earlier interviews, Trump said he wants an AG who will take quote take control of the Justice Department, and that made me think of Governor Christie. Oh God, no! no. I mean, I just <laughs> Christie Christie and Trump had a big falling out. I know. Um, right after the election. Yeah, from what I've heard, and once again, it's just hearsay, from what I heard, Christie, um, Trump was very, very mad at Christie for how he handled the bridge gate. He didn't like that, and apparently Christie um, allegedly told uh, Trump not to bring Ivanka to the White House with him, and uh, he advised him on that. And that was not the main point, but Trump was very um, disturbed by a lot of things Christie did. Also, um uh, Trump's former campaign manager, the one of the shorter ones, the one who did the counting at the convention, uh, 
the one who's under investigation. He was the one who told Trump not to allegedly told Trump not to pick Christie as vice president to go with Pence. So no, so uh, let's move away from the AG for a second and talk about the the election generally. How did you uh, think? What is your general take? Well, my general take is I think it really was a blue wave. I think that it really was a blue wave, but I do think that politics now is so um, so partisan. It's so split that uh, there was a correction in a lot of red states where they couldn't overcome the the, the map moving. Um, uh, so heavily for Democrats. Now, it wasn't as big of a blue wave as it was in 2006, and it wasn't like the red wave in 2010, but it still was a massive blue wave, and a lot of, and a lot of you know, white college-educated women voted heavily against, um, against the, the Republicans, and also there was, you have the urban vote, which moved, people who live in cities, I'm not talking about black people, but people who live in cities moved against Republicans. Something very unique happened in Georgia, and I tweeted about it, um, uh, uh, Kemp, the Republican candidate for governor, flipped two and almost flipped three, but flipped two and a third one he tied in three black majority rural counties in southern Georgia. And while Stacey Abrams got more votes in the Atlanta uh, metropolitan area than Hillary Clinton did by about 30,000 votes, even though there was almost 200,000 fewer voters, um, Kemp uh, really racked up heavily in percentage wise over Trump in a lot of black majority rural counties in southern and western Georgia. Why? It, How? Well, maybe the rural urban vote is even splitting between minority voters. Hmm. Maybe minorities who live in rural America are trending more Republican than even even uh, even uh, voters in um, in, uh, in in major metropolitan areas. Maybe that is crossing over even more than races. So I want to get this right. So the rural-urban divide, which we saw abundant evidence for last night, includes and overrides any racial or religious sorts of considerations right. I mean, that we normally what, divide. I, yeah, this these three black these three black majority counties, and I tweeted them. Um, uh, I know Davidson County is one of them, but these three black majority counties, uh, Purdue, who won, who was the former governor, who won massive victories or besides or, or comfortable victories in 2014 and 2010, he lost all three of those counties. Trump lost all three of those counties. So, and and a Republican had not won these counties. George Bush won two of them in 2004, and before then it was the 1980s with the Reagan wave. So these are counties that do not vote Republican. And Kemp, in a Democratic year where Democrats overperformed in Georgia, won all three of them. So let, let makes me you question question sorry. what question? It makes you question whether or not Black rural voters were feeling. Maybe they are not being spoken to to hmm. the Oprah Winfrey message. I mean, the, oh, yeah, the Oprah Winfrey. I mean, I, personally, I think that Oprah Winfrey, uh, Will Ferrell was down there in Georgia as well, stumping. Um, you know, the the Taylor Swifts and the Beyonces. I I do not think they did those candidates any favor, and I think it's exactly what we saw in 2016 that people do not want to be told by celebrities who to vote for or how to vote. I agree. Right, and also Stacey Abrams was on a on a campaign, on an interview with Jake Tapper, and Jake was asking her about gun control, and she was very supportive of gun control. And there's a lot of black gun owners in rural America. So, mm-hmm. Brian, I, I Brian, I want to step back and ask a kind of a philosophical question, which is, it, it's feeling to me 
like as we see our federal governments handing over more authority to the states and the states aggressively moving in many different directions as it pertains to the marijuana laws or their you know they're out here with the sanctuary state and all this stuff this the individual states are getting so vastly different from one another you feel like you're in a different country with each state so well that was the way it always was supposed to be before this massive build of federalism you well know, that's my question so my question is is that a good thing, or does federalism need to double down again and us sort of look at uh, Alexander Hamilton's logic and make sure we have uh, created a system that's still properly consistent with what he intended? You know, before, I'll say this, before, in the 1950s, right, you had a state like Michigan, which banned abortion even in the cases of rape and incest. And then you had New York, which had almost no regulations on abortion whatsoever. In the 1950s, you had a state like which had almost no regulations on guns, and Texas actually was one of the most more heavily regulated state on guns at the, at the, at the time. But yet, and yet, yet, though we all were united as Americans, there'd been a war, yeah, and there's been we had this, because we had the same culture. There was I know television. We're not a culture, yeah. and and the same set of beliefs and principles upon which this all was founded, which no one knows about anymore, or even yeah, trust. There was a draft, and we all fought <laughs> in the same wars together. Yes, anyway, we were divided. We were divided on race, but we had a lot of similarities as far as culture goes. So this shift is is having a cultural sort of a component to it, and shouldn't we be a little bit at least circumspect? That I mean, I, I know this, that one of the things that Osama bin Laden set down as a goal in terms of committing the terrorist acts he did was to divide the states into 50 different countries, to undo the federalism. And now we're going that way, and you can point at that, you know, 2001 is sort of around the time it all got started. It worries me. Yeah, no, that is very worrisome, but that's not a government thing. It's a cultural thing. You know, a politician's not going to be able to fix that. You know, the book Coming Apart, um, I can't remember the author's name right now, but the, oh, the book Coming Apart, which looked at white America from 1960 to 2016, um, if you're poor, you're less likely to go to college. Um, likely, your children are likely to stay poor. You're less likely to go to church. If you're wealthy, you're more likely to go to church, have higher civic engagement, um, less likely to fall into to, uh, problems with prescription pills and, and alcohol than poorer Americans. And that divide, you're more likely to be married. Poorer white Americans are less likely to be married. I mean, think that about all those divides. We divide ur urban, rural, black, white, married, unmarried, educated, uneducated. State yeah, by state, I mean, I mean, we are just fracturing all over the place. And again, but I think that you're looking back with rose-colored glasses. There was plenty of fracturing back in the day. But there but, were, I mean, yes, the, but the country was ripped apart. During yes, this. yes, yes, yes. I don't disagree but you know, with you. But, but I'll say this though, if you, and you can look at this in 538.com. Nate Silver does this. You look at positive-negative rankings among former politicians. Kennedy, which who, who you know. Cuban Missile Crisis, and, and you know, it wasn't really Camelot at the time, um, had a negative approval rating of something like 19%. Positive approval rating was like 50, 51, 52. And then a lot of the country really just didn't have very strong feelings towards politicians because at the end of the day, the president and the Supreme Court at that time didn't, you know, control your life with the swang of one election. Right. And and I think that if we, I mean, if we could get down to back to that, I think where you know a president didn't consume, where one president's going to change your entire life on mass 
amounts of issues. But I mean, look, you have I Nixon maybe- running on promising to, you know, having a secret weapon, having a secret plan to get us out of the Vietnam War. Yeah. Um, not telling us that plan until after he was elected, where he was just basically going to ramp it up. Um, and, and, and then have the Vietnamese take over. Yeah, but I'm talking previous but, to Nixon. Nixon was the beginning of the divide. But if you look at Kennedy, Johnson, Johnson was a very divisive president. His negative approval ratings never even got into the 40s. Well, but um, you had racial tensions during during Kennedy's yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. I'm not saying it, it was a great, you know, everyone skipped down the road together and, you know, drank from the same water fountains. But the hostility, the level of hostility was so high it's so much higher now mm. towards somebody else i mean if you ask you know somebody from chelsea what they think about voters from right. south carolina oh, oh th- no we, we've been talking about this they people cannot stand in the same room Which if they weird. find out that you voted for someone they don't agree with well, well, in the past, that's where we're at now we all gloried in this great free system we had where we could share ideas and come to a consensus that that was sort of that people I, I really don't think people are, are aware of what the founding fathers have done. They don't even know. And so well, I, I, I feel that, like our federalism needs to be re-energized in some way, at least philosophically or culturally or something. I, I, I don't know. I have, a lot of, I have a lot of friends who are hardcore leftists, like crazy liberals, and, and we get along, I think, because we have the same sense of humor more than anything else. Okay. Maybe that can bring people together. Yeah, Once anyway. you laugh at the same thing, it's easier but that, to... But that's to, the problem. People don't find it funny anymore. You know, it's it's. I follow all these comedians on, on Twitter, and they've become now so strident and so such activists now for whatever political cause. I'm like, you're not... We're not funny. the jokes. There's yeah. no more fun. There's well, no more the lightheartedness. Ones, Everything is so serious and... Well, the ones and, that try to make jokes get vilified for what they say. And yeah. and uh, you know when right. you, and, and by the way let's let's not uh, you brought up the sort of approval ratings of presidents and things I I don't think we should fall into that track I mean trap I mean no no president was more hated than Abraham Lincoln I mean he was killing our sons and well, he was he's not overriding. my favorite former president but that's besides the point he he was <laughs> not your favorite. No, oh god, I think he was one of the worst presidents. So you can make had. that case. You can make you can make and most people oh, thought yeah, that. Oh yeah, I'll debate it all day long. I think the worst I mean, it's much easier for me to rank the worst presidents than the best presidents, but no, Lincoln was by far one of our worst presidents. He he uh, silenced the media. He uh he kicked <laughs> out members of Congress who disagreed with him. He was absolutely uh he, he stamped all over the Constitution. Forget the Civil War, just talking about a person as a person who respects civil liberties. Uh, Lincoln was one of our worst when it comes to civil liberties, and he didn't care whatsoever what happened with slavery. Uh, that's just, you know, that's rose-colored glasses. He didn't care if the slaves were freed or or, in, or enslaved. It mattered about saving the Union to him. Well, that's, it, that's the, the way I'm going to push back a little bit. That, that's the priority stance he took in executing the war. If you look at the Lincoln-Douglas debates, he is clear. Slavery is a wrong. But he said he doesn't care. He said he'll save if, if he can save the union by keeping slavery. Yes, yes, he did say that. that. Hold that thought. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to you. Hold that thought. Uh, he, he did say that. But I said he he kept that as a priority in the in the execution of the war. But before, back when he was running for Senate, he was very clear because uh, Stephen A. Douglas said, "I don't care if it's voted up or voted down. It's up to the states." And he said, "No, you can't vote up a wrong. You can't do that." We're talking to Ryan Gradesky, contributor, Washington Examiner, eight hundred two 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 five two 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 is our phone number. It's Lawrence Vaughn, Doctor Drew. This is Midday Live. KABC has dependable traffic when you need it the most, and it's sponsored by Lowe's. Northbound side of the one ten. This is leaving downtown LA, right around Avenue Forty Three. 
was an accident here with the two right lanes blocked, already backing up through the five, and that's building northbound 110 right around Avenue 43. Southbound Hollywood Freeway, also a bit busy if you're heading into the downtown area. South 101 slowing Melrose Normandy on down through Glendale Boulevard. South 405 right at Santa Monica Boulevard. It was an earlier crash in the right lane. Still finding delays here from Wilshire Boulevard. Eastbound side of the 10 at Fremont. Stalled vehicle in the slow lane busy from the 710. And West 60 before the 57 that earlier stall has completely cleared but still finding delays from about the 710. I'm Rhonda Kramer, Talk Radio 790 KABC. Midday, do- Midday Live, Lawrence Vaughn, Dr. Drew, talking to Ryan Gradesky, the contributor to Washington Examiner. Ryan, I want to play for you a minute of President Trump's uh, press conference today, his interaction with CNN reporter, what's his name? Uh, Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta, let's hear that. Honestly, I think you should let me run the country, you run CNN, All right. and if you did it well, your ratings well, let me would be ask, much if better. I, if I may okay, ask one enough. other question, Mr. President, if I may, if I may ask Peter, one other ahead. question, are you worried? Of, that's enough. That's no, enough. Mr. President, I, that's well, I was going to ask one of the, the other folks. That's had, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. I'm, I'm, Mr. President, me. That's enough. Mr. President, I had one other Peter, question, if I may ask, on, on the Russia investigation, are you concerned that... That you may have I'm not concerned about anything with you the may Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you, That's enough. Put down the mic. Mr. President, are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? Mr. President. I'll tell you what, CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. Go ahead. I, I think that's unfair. You're a very rude person. The way you treat Sarah Huckabee is horrible. And the way you treat other people are horrible. You shouldn't yeah. treat people that way. Go ahead. In, in, go in ahead, Jim, Peter. Go in, ahead. In Jim's defense, I've traveled with him and watched him. He's a diligent reporter who busts. Well, his I'm not a big fan of us. yours either. So <laughs> I, oh my honest. goodness. So let me ask you a question, if I can. You repeatedly you said are, you aren't the best, Mr. President. You repeatedly, over the course okay, of okay, just sit down, please. Well, when you when you report fake news, no, when you report fake news, which CNN does a lot, you are the enemy of the people. So Ryan, there you go. Our president in a press conference this afternoon. That was, I mean, one that was hysterical when he said, yeah, I'm not that, I'm not a big fan of yours either. Um, yeah, no, what you, no, what happened before that was Jim Acosta was allowed to answer a question, and then he just kept on asking more and more questions without being answered. A, a woman who worked for the White House attempted to grab his microphone. He shoved her away um, because he, but this is Jim Acosta. Jim Acosta um, is terrible because he, what he does is he tries to make every press conference about him. You know, when Stephen Miller was asking questions about um, uh, chain migration, he decided to stand up and read the poem from the Statue of Liberty. That's what he decided to do rather than asking a question. Jim Acosta is one of these people who now he's on, he was interviewed by Stephen Colbert. He likes to be a miniature celebrity. Well, uh, but I mean, that's, that's the way new. That's the way the nature of the business is now, right? It Which sure is. is. Make, and, and, make, you know, the more the the president attacks the press, the the press go back and attack him. But I mean, they're stuck but, in this weird death match where they both benefit. Well, I would like it if they took actually all the cameras away from those press conferences and just did print press conferences. So that way you wouldn't have people grandstanding. Yeah, but then the president would claim they switched, they, you know, mangled his words. He's not on tape. In 20 seconds, uh, Ryan, what do we got coming? A 5,000-word brilliant article about the rise of right-wing national populism around the world from 1998 to 2018. In the Washington Examiner, yes? American Conservative Magazine is going to be a big feature there. Um, I have to send it over in a little while, actually. Excellent. It's midday live. Thank you, Ryan. KABC News is live and local at 1.30. I'm Jeff Whittle.
And President Trump effectively fired Attorney General Jeff Sessions today by demanding his letter of resignation. Correspondent Manu Raju reports from Capitol Hill that the reaction from Republican lawmakers has been muted. On the campaign trail, the president always drew strong boos at mentioning the idea of Nancy Pelosi becoming Speaker of the House again. Now that that is a likely outcome of the midterms, he is ready to compromise and work with her. She works very hard and she's worked long and hard. I give her a great deal of credit for what she's done and what she's accomplished. In fact, Mr. Trump theorized with Pelosi as a possible foil, Democratic control of Congress might make his re-election easier in 2020 if they cooperate. Including on economic growth, infrastructure, trade, lowering the cost of prescription drugs. These are some of the things that the Democrats do want to work on. Bob Costantini, the White House. Now, Sessions' former chief of staff, Matt Whitaker, has been appointed acting attorney general and will reportedly lead Mueller's Russia investigation. Meanwhile, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who had been overseeing the Russia probe, is expected to head over to the White House this afternoon. Now, closer to home, Democratic Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom will be California's next governor after easily defeating Republican businessman John Cox. L.A. County Sheriff Jim McDonald appears to have lost his seat to retired Sheriff's Lieutenant Alex Villanueva. Orange County District Attorney Tony Rakakis appears to have lost the post he's held for 20 years to County Supervisor Todd Spitzer. In the local congressional races, Democrat Katie Hill leads GOP incumbent Steve Knight by nearly three percentage points in the 25th District. Republican Mimi Waters defeated Katie Porter to win re-election in the 45th District, and Republican Young Kim knocked off Gil Cisneros in the 29th District. And 15-term Republican Congressman Dana Rohrabacher trails Democratic challenger Harley Ruda by about 2,600 votes in the 48th District. Talk Radio 790K ABC Sports. The Lakers host the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight at Staples Center. Ducks hope to get back on the winning track tonight after losing to the Kings last night when the Ducks host Calgary this evening. And that's sports on 790K ABC. We'll have traffic, a market check, weather, and more. Dr. Drew Midday Live next. KABC Newstime 132. Here's your 790K ABC market check. And investors love the idea of a divided Congress. The Dow soared 545 points today, gaining more than 2% in value. The uh, S&P 500 rose 58 points. The NASDAQ up about two and two-thirds percent today. It gained 194 points. KABC SoCal weather. It'll be sunny and mild this afternoon. Highs will be in the upper 60s near the coast. Mid-70s expected down uh, in the uh, valleys as well as downtown areas. There is a fire weather watch for most of L.A. and Ventura counties tomorrow morning through Friday night. Right now we have 72 degrees in Encino. It's 69 in Huntington Beach, 70 degrees in downtown Los Angeles. And with the election now over, count on KABC News to cover and report on how the results will impact you and your neighbors. I'm Jeff Whittle, KABC News. And this holiday, make Bob Evans' side dishes your time-saving secret with mashed potatoes and other holiday favorites made with real milk, butter, cheese, and potatoes. They're delicious and ready in six minutes. Get Bob Evans' sides in your grocery store. It'll be love at first bite. KABC News is sponsored by Bob Evans' refrigerated sides for the holidays. Hey, this is Dr. Drew. And I'm Lauren Savant. We know you don't want to miss a minute of our show every day. But you probably have a life. May want to listen on your schedule. Well, you can. Check out our daily podcast. Dr. Drew, Midday Live with Lauren Savant. 
It is Midday Live. Lawrence Vaughn, Dr. Dewar. Number is 800-222-5222. Attorney General Jeff Sessions is out. out. He has been requested to tender his resignation, which he has done. David Katz, a former federal, former federal prosecutor, and I want to get his opinion on this departure. Mr. Katz, welcome to the program. Uh-oh, hold on now. Hold on. David, do I have you now? Yeah, very good to be with both of you. Pleasure. So one of the questions I have, uh, I was watching Kenneth Starr render some commentary, and he said that the normal order of command would be Rosenstein to step into the position of attorney general, um, that to put the assistant in there was sort of within the presidential's purview, but sort of out of order. And the reason being, if I get this right, is that the Senate gets a chance to sort of look at Rosenstein before he takes the job, but not this other guy, Mr. G. Whitaker. Is that accurate? G. Whitaker. <laughs> is am I am I getting the story right there or am I off base? No, and I think this is troubling for the people who care about the rule of law that um, this uh, acting AG uh, is there to do something that Rosenstein would not do. And, of course, everyone's concerned that that would be to impede Mueller's investigation or maybe even to fire Mueller. But he is an acting AG. Do we, I mean, do we know that the president is going to hope, you know, plans to appoint someone else for this position? But, Lauren, he has all the power in the interim. Um, it would be a... Uh, you know, uh, it would be an afternoon massacre, but this afternoon, once he has power, he actually could impede or dismiss Mueller. I mean, an acting uh, U.S. Right. attorney, like an acting United States attorney, attorney general, has power, has the power to act. And that's what's uh, very worrisome for the rule of law and for this being a, uh, a proper investigation. It appears very clearly that Rosenstein plans to do his duty that Mueller hasn't done anything wrong, that there's no cause to um, dismiss Mueller or to impede Mueller. And the fear is that that's exactly why this Trump loyalist is suddenly the acting person, that it's not Rosenstein, but it's this person. But, you know, the, the president could have done this all along. And the reason he didn't was he was holding out for the midterm elections because he realized it would be uh, politically damaging to him. So now that the midterms are over... Now he's, you know, off and running, and he's like, hey, Sessions, you're out. I want my guy in. I mean, he does have the right to do this, though, doesn't he, even though he's not following the protocol? Well, I mean, you know, he has the right, I guess, to um, fire, dismiss, or impede those investigations. And, of course, the House, uh, now with a Democratic majority, once they take power in January, has the right to impeach him on account of it. And then his trial would be in the Senate. And I've told you folks before that if he does something you know, bad enough, obvious enough, that there could be two-thirds of the Senate, even though it's Republican, who would hold their nose and say, no, this just smells too much. I mean, that's what happened with President Nixon during Watergate. He was impeached or would have been impeached or would have been convicted in the Senate had he not resigned, and he would have been uh, convicted in the Senate by a lot of his fellow Republicans because the tapes were too bad. And just firing Mueller like that would just be, I think, too bad a thing to do. Now, a lot of what Mueller's investigating, especially through uh, Attorney Michael Cohn and others, could be pursued by the United States Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York. Um, and then there'd be all these issues of what would happen to Mueller 
what would happen to Mueller's investigation. Couldn't Mueller be kept after January as counsel to the House? Now that the House is uh, going to be Democratic. Um, but he wouldn't have as much power, Mueller, as he does now. I think there's a real question whether he'd have any power, Mueller, to go in front of a grand jury. Because he's House counsel doesn't make him a federal prosecutor with the power to go in front of federal grand juries. Huh. So it would be a mess. Wait a minute. Say that again. I'm not sure I got it. If Mueller was deputized or hired by the House uh, Democrats, right, as of the middle of January, and he could continue his investigation in terms of issuing subpoenas, evaluating what comes in under House subpoenas, the House doesn't have the grand jury at its disposal. The House has its mechanisms, but they don't have a federal grand jury. What I'm saying is that the United States Attorney for the Southern District of New York in New York City, uh, that still seems to be an independent agency that it would be difficult for Trump and this um, acting guy to try to put oh, their... Got it. And uh, they could continue to use the grand jury. But Mueller, Mueller's not an employee of the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York, and neither is his staff. David, we have to take a little break here. I, I, this is a fascinating topic. I want to keep the conversation going. We'll also take calls at 800-222-5222. David Katz, former federal prosecutor, discussing Jeff Sessions' departure. This is Midday Live. Oh, I beg your pardon. Our engineer is not here, so we are not Midday Live just yet. Uh, David, you still there? I sure am. So, um, uh, back to, there's something I wanted to ask you heading back. Oh, well, I have a question for you. Um, now that the House is under Democratic control and everybody is, uh, whispering the word subpoena, 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 um, what, what do you see coming down from them first? And, and what does the, uh, president have at his disposal to fight those? Well, the president doesn't really have proper things that he can do back. At his press conference today, he made it sound like, if you're mean to me, I'll be I'll hit back. mean to you. Yeah. But House has a right under the checks and balances to investigate and oversee and conduct oversight hearings on executive uh, misconduct or executive um, you know, impropriety. That's their constitutional duty. That doesn't mean that the president has a right to harass the House or to investigate them for nothing if his threat is to somehow unleash the Justice Department on individual House members in retaliation. That's an outrage. That's something you see in a banana republic. And to even suggest that is, is totally improper. That We're going to keep the conversation going. We're back against the clock. It's uh, Lawrence Von Dr. Doom, Midday Live. Lawrence Vaughn, Dr. Drew, Midday Live on Talk Radio. And we're talking to Dr., excuse me, former federal prosecutor David Katz. What's happened during yeah, the break? Yeah, a lot of technical stuff mm. got me addled. Um, David Katz, we're talking about Attorney General Jeff Sessions' departure and whether or not the current acting Attorney General, Whitaker, is the appropriate selection for that job. What if he just holds the job for a little while and doesn't do anything and waits for a, a more permanent re replacement? That's what I asked. Well, if he holds the job for a little while and doesn't do anything, um, that would, of course, be better than him doing some outlandish things like impeding Mueller's investigation or actually firing uh, Mueller or um, Rosenstein. But l let me just say this. I I'm no fan of Attorney General Sessions. You know, he was a hanging Attorney General, always demanding his prosecutors ask for the maximum sentences and maximum charges. 
He was anti-immigrant. He was anti-the marijuana laws that we have passed here in California. But that's not what this is about. This was not a legitimate policy disagreement between him and the country or him and Trump. The reason that Trump called him disgraceful and weak and everything was because he'd been Trump's first follower. He'd been very loyal to the president. And the reason that Trump turned around and was very disloyal to him was for one reason, that he had recused himself from the Russia probe. And because Sessions had recused himself from the Russia probe and he wouldn't turn around and, quote, unrecuse himself, right. that that's, Rosenstein got to make all the decisions. That's when the honeymoon was over is, and he hated. Is, uh, is there is there a world in which Mueller submits the report to this new guy? That, it, that the thing's concluded, and now it's time to submit it, and there's this guy sitting in that seat now, and they just do so? If this acting AG, who's a Trump loyalist, demands that Mueller do X or Y, Mueller has to either do it or risk being fired for insubordination. So let's assume they demanded that the investigation stop by Mueller or investigated that, or, or excuse me, or demanded that Mueller turn over the investigative results, including the raw materials, I think that Mueller would have to turn them over. And if this acting AG then sealed them, it would be very hard for people in the press like you to know what was going on and for regulators and uh, oversight committees. Now, the only good news then would be that once in January the Democrats take over the House, they would, of course, immediately take steps to have it unsealed, to have it shown to themselves, to decide what portions could be uh, revealed to the public, and we would have an accounting. Had there just been complete Republican control, there was a fear that the public would never actually see the Mueller investigation. They would make a report uh, to the Congress, and Congress would say, very nice, nice to have the report, it's under seal, we read it, we're not indicting anybody, have a nice life, everyone. That's not going to happen now. But there could be quite a bit of... Um, you know, pulling and tugging, because right now the House is not controlled by the Democrats. The House is controlled by the lame duck Republicans that will control it until the middle of January. And the mischief could be between now and the middle of January. Lauren, I want to give you a chance to ask a follow-up question. Here, it this looks is, like I have any yes, time. Uh, no, no, I, I have a, so many questions no, no, for you. I'm going to come back. I want to come back, Mr. Well, we're, we're going to take a little break. We'll come back. Then we'll have a few minutes to have some follow-up. David Katz, former federal prosecutor. This is Midday Live. It is Midday Live. Lawrence Vaughn, Dr. Drew. We are talking to David Katz, former federal prosecutor, and I want to give Lauren a chance to follow up with Mr. Katz. Before we do, Mr. Katz, is there a website you'd like to refer people to? Uh, yes. Um, uh, our firm now does uh, criminal defense, um, you know, people who are in uh, trouble um, and uh, need to speak with an attorney, and we're at K-A-T-Z-N-A-S-S-O-C at AOL.com. So that's K-A-T-Z-N like Nancy, A-S-S-O-C, at AOL.com. Got it. Lauren. Well, earlier, two breaks ago, we were talking <laughs> about, um, you know, the Democrats win in the House, which would mean more investigations and more subpoenas for the president, something that he would he would have to comply with. Um, you know, one one example really comes to mind um, on something that the Democrats had evidence of, had proof of. It's that FBI building in D.C. Now, the president, um, when he realized that they were going to move that building in D.C., move the FBI out of it and sell it on the market and that another developer was planning on building uh, a new mixed space there, big hotel and restaurants and apartment buildings. Guess what the president did? He nixed the deal 
and he kept the FBI in that building because it would have been a conflict of interest for his hotel, which is across the street. Now, there was plenty of paper trails and plenty of evidence um, that he nixed this particular deal based on his own interests as a hotel owner, not as the president. And yet it could never be brought up in Congress because the Republicans refused to. Is it cases like this that we're going to see more of now that the Democrats are in power? It's exactly cases like this because the Congress has a subpoena power, but the Republican House majority would never use their subpoena power. So when someone said, I don't feel like turning over documents, so I just want to answer your question off the record, they would say, oh, well, that's great. And, you know, they said that to Donald Trump Jr. They said that to various other people that they could have interrogated under oath and could have demanded documents from under a totally proper subpoena process. So I imagine that what we'll have, we'll have Adam Schiff's um, committee. Uh, he'll be the chairman. He's a local congressman. That's of right. Course, chairman of the Intel Committee. The Russia investigation, the collusion, and all the proof of the conspiracy that appears to have you know, existed. Um, they'll also be, as you're talking about, looking into the emoluments and the conflicts of interest. Because there's so many conflicts of interest. And for the last two years, people have been asking, why does he not have to give over his tax returns? Why does he get to hold on to all these properties that he's clearly, you know, benefiting from while serving the country? And and now we know why, because the Democrats well, the didn't House, have control. The House will subpoena his tax returns. I think that he knows that that's coming because he's already said, oh, they're very complicated and they're so hard to figure out. Believe me, there are some very good accountants and uh, forensic analysts in the country. I worked with them as a federal prosecutor. I work with them now. Believe me, they figured out more complicated tax I'm sure. returns yeah. and scams, if that's what they are. They figured out a lot of them, a lot of offshore money, a lot of strange things going around from trust to trust. So they'll get all of that on President Trump, finally. And they'll also find out about the FBI building. And the emoluments is when the president, you know, makes, uh, makes money from foreigners. Right. And we're going to leave it there. Dave, we got to we got to head out. I appreciate you as always, and thanks for the commentary. Great to talk to both of you. Thanks. Thank you so much, David Casper.